following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radioland. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radioland. From the home office in Memphis, Tennessee, this is episode 391. Uh, on a uh, on a on a on a weird bittersweet note is kind of what this show is and 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 perhaps you noticed the runtime if you didn't um, <laughs> you're gonna want to devote some extra time to this one it's a long show uh, we and and you know in theory I probably would have busted this up into two but uh, this one you know let's just do it all at one time here it's an important program on many aspects one of which uh, goes into great detail about the birth of rock and roll. Yes, and the and the gentlemen that were involved in it and how it happened, and uh, it's uh, it's about the story of a man by the name of Earl Forrest, and Earl is no longer with us, and you'll 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 hear why here in a little while, and the impact that that Earl had on the music scene, not just in Memphis but globally. This is this is like I said, this is a very important program, and to help us out with that was Brad Webb who came into the studio, Cam Mtzi. Uh, from the House of MTZ, Robert Nighthawk Toombs, Natalie was in the studio, Mark Caldwell, of course, and this gentleman by the name of Thomas Clay Jr. Thomas, a local musician, been around a long time. Man, you're going to hear some stories, <laughs> some really, really fascinating stories of what West Memphis was really like. That's just on the other side of the river from Memphis, Memphis. That's Arkansas, West Memphis, Arkansas. It was known as Little, Little Las Vegas. And you're going to hear why. And and some of the history that's going on there, and this is this is important not just because of the music history here, but because of one of the individuals involved in this program, Thomas Clay, uh, which you will hear quite a bit of in the latter part of the program when he he really was getting pretty vocal about some of the things that that he had experienced. After the show was recorded, a couple of days after after it or so, he passed away. I'm honored to have had Thomas Clay Jr. in the studio uh, with us before this happened because, as as you'll hear, uh, the importance of keeping this history is incredible. So, you know, with that, uh, we were very fortunate to have him. It's very sad that he is gone. Uh, it was, uh, I'm not sure the circumstances that led to his passing. I, I believe there was a, a fall involved or something like that. And it just goes to, you know, the point to remind folks that, you know, the, the seniors amongst us are fragile, and you have to keep an eye on them. And we were so fortunate to have him, and Tracy So was down here. I think Tracy was working with him that evening, and she made sure that he kind of got where he was going, and, and, and it was great. And uh, we we captured that moment. We captured the moment of of what it was like to be in the music business right before rock and roll hit. This is like early 1950s Memphis music, and this is incredible. It's absolutely incredible, and we want to play for you in your in its entirety. So uh, we'll take a brief break, enough chance for you to go you know, freshen up a cocktail or perhaps even make a sandwich. And uh, when you come back, sit back and enjoy the conversation that is the tribute to Earl Forrest right here from Radioland. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now, 
Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 855-380-5703. 855-380-5703. That's 855-380-5703. Nighthawk is in the room, as is Brad Webb and... Uh, We've got uh, Thomas Clay Jr. in the in the house as well, and uh, Cam MTZ is here. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for we're going to have us a, have a very interesting night ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, a little, Earl I think so. A little uh, a little tribute to uh, Mr. Earl Forrest. Yes. A lot of stories to be told. We've got a bunch of we got a bunch of music that we're going to play yes. tonight as yes. well, and. Uh, uh, Cam, let's go. You were you were telling me a little bit. And also, we have uh, uh, on the phone. We have uh, we have a, a friend of yours that is that is here as well. Yes, ah. yes, Dennis Lucky Taylor. Oh, Dennis he's in, Atlanta, he's in Atlanta, Georgia, hey. right now. He's in Atlanta. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. Well, you're on with us, uh, Lucky. Hey, what's going on? How's everybody? Well, we're just getting started here, and uh, we're going to be hanging out for a while this evening and uh, having a chat about uh, Earl Forrest. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Forrest. I remember him from years back. Man, he's a good, very good guy, man. He used to uh, manage uh, Stanley Campbell and I. We had a uh, group. We were we, we had a dance group back in the day. This was we were kids, um, uh, probably like in the early eighties or something like that. Well, late late seventies, early eighties, late seventies, and, um, and, early, and, yeah, um, 70s. and uh, he used to manage us. And um, I, I remember uh, Mr. Farr. He was a really good dude, man, good guy. And I know he had done a lot of work uh, as far as uh, you know, working with uh, different artists like Isaac Hayes and a number of other people too, as well. Um, he was well connected. So, because uh, we got our first um, television debut. Oh, yes. <laughs> Back in the day, we was on the... Uh, Ma Thrasher Ma Show. Ma Thrasher Show, yeah, Straight man. Talk. <laughs> I was Man, I was 10 years old. Right. I remember that, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we was so, the first dance group that performed on her show. Yep, yep, yep. Give them a little yep. history about you, Dennis, uh, with, your, with your, the history of your father and um, even with your group that you... It's a tour oh, okay. in the city, in the, um, in the country, I would shoot. say. Man, I got a lot, lot going on, man. Um, I'm down in Atlanta, as you all know. Um, I got uh, a band that I play with. I do a lot of uh, corporate gigs and stuff like that. Um, first generation band, that's one of the bands that I work with. And I have my own band, Blasted Energy. Uh, it's the name of my band. So I'm doing a lot of work uh mainly on the you know the weekends and stuff i'm uh, always out of town and stuff like that man so i'm trying to promote my music and and then doing the corporate gigs as well and you know that type of thing i got a lot of a slew of music on youtube um you can you can google dennis lucky taylor and all this stuff will pop up videos and everything um uh, my Instagram, uh, 
D. Taylor, zero one three zero, and um, Facebook is just uh, Dennis Taylor. You can look me up on Facebook as well. Um, hey, and, and like I said, I got a lot of music musical history as far as uh, uh, Johnny Taylor. Uh, uh, I'm related to Johnny Taylor as well. Yes, he is. So, and my father tell you guys uh, staying with the uh, Memphis Harmonizers for about 30 years. Yes. Um, the Memphis Harmonizers gospel group from Memphis. Um, let's see. What else? Um, hey, hey, Dennis. My mother's saying, huh? Hey, Dennis, real quick. Yes, can sir? you uh, elaborate a little bit about uh, Earl Fires when he was in my... My mom's house uh, in the bedroom, and Earl Flowers called us in the bedroom. He had someone yeah. on the telephone waiting for us. Like, right. can you elaborate on that a little bit? And I maybe I can go a little bit more in depth with it later on this show. You know, but what are you, like talking, are you, what are you talking about? When, uh, when he Fowers. had a uh, 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 what's my man? Soul Train, or Don Knees on the phone. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell him about that, yes. Yeah. He's close to on Soul Train, dog. Oh, man, I remember that <laughs> yesterday. He, he called us, yeah. Yesterday, yeah, we, we was outside rehearsing in front of my mom's house, where my house, right. and, um, Earl Fowers called called me in the room, called me in the house and called me in my mom's room, and, like, I have someone on the phone. They want to talk to you. Like, okay. I got on the phone, I heard this deep baritone, like, how you doing, Stanley? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead, Dennis, man. Go ahead. Just, I, it's, it's your show. It's your show for the next, you know, 30 seconds, man. So you just elaborate a little bit on that. Well, well, I mean, you know, you heard the force, man. You knew. We knew that was Don Cotillas, man. <laughs> I mean, we also got to understand that Earl Farrell Earl Farrell was connected with a lot of people, man. He was in the industry and, you know, in the whole nine. So it was definitely... Uh, Earl Fars. I mean, it was definitely Tom Kennedy's without a doubt. Yeah. Because, you know, we were big fans of Soul Train, man. We watched Soul Train religiously every Saturday. Yeah. So, um, but um, we were this close to being on there, man. And like I said, I, I, I can't speak on what happened or particulars because <laughs> that ain't my place. We'll talk about that later. Robert knows about a little bit. Yeah, Doug Kennedy's, he was... At the same time, you know, I wish it would have happened, but it, right. it didn't. And, it and did. you know, but it's just cool. But we were, man, we, <laughs> I wish it would have went down, I swear. Yeah, and Errol Farris made that happen. Um, and Errol Farris and Doug Kennedy's was making some form of uh, communication that that he would get my dad's group to to travel to California and, and uh, visit uh, Soul Train. And I was so excited. Mm -hmm. My group was so excited. But, yes, yeah, something happened afterwards, so we can talk about that later. Right, right. <laughs> you know, between my mom and Errol Farms. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, y'all need to fix it. Y'all need to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, love us corn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> man, Thank you, Dennis. I remember yeah. Oh, I remember that, dude. Man, that was, oh, man. Mm -mm. And he, and like I said, Earl had mad connections. It's like, I'm talking about sports with all the people through Stacks. You know, when Stacks was heavy and going going strong so he was still connected with with, with uh all, all the cats parkades and, and 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 you know all the uh artists that was like coming out of Memphis he had his hand 
you know, all of that. Isaac mm-hmm. Hayes, everybody. Yes. Bart Hayes, uh, who else was uh, hot coming through there at, at one point? Rufus Thomas and all, he, you know, he was connected with all these people, man. Yeah. So he, he knew. Yeah. He knew his stuff. And he trained us. He trained us very well. That's 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 why you the one of the one of the baddest vocalists out there, you know. Of course you got the bloodline of your mother and your father, you know, the DNA. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But for the most part, it's for the most part, it passed on, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for calling in, man. I appreciate y'all allowing me to uh, speak out, man, and, and, and speak on uh, real far as I have. And because, like I say, he's a really good dude, and, and um, hey, what else can I say? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Keep the blues flowing. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we're going to keep it. We're going to try to keep it going, Stanley, man. That's, that's what the whole thing is about, man. Because, you know, you got to understand. I, I knew you were going to do what you was going to do. With, I knew you was going to do something pertaining to entertainment. Because you was a bad dude. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm, I'm, you still can go. Like, I, you just be acting like you can't, but I already know. You still can go. Because I've seen it with my own two eyes. I saw you cut up up in the house in Pinsy one night. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> he ain't lost it. He ain't lost it. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. So, uh, it's, it's still there somewhere. Huh? It's still there somewhere. Every now no, and then I put it out No, there. I saw it with my own two eyes. I ain't, I'm talking about what I, I ain't talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I knew you were were gonna do something pertaining to entertainment. So when you uh, opened up the house of Intensity, I was like, okay. And yeah. then you were utilizing the spot and renting it out, having people come in and perform and, and, and things of that nature. I said, okay, okay. This well, the dude I this the dude I grew up with right here. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, thanks to my this, mom, this Elma, right and Earl Forrest. This the dude I remember right here. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. So I was I was happy when you did that, man. When I found out you you own own the spot, man. So I was like, man, that's what's up. We got a you know a place where people can come and do poetry and and and, 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 and perform. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doing the arts. It makes sense. So. Well, yeah, thank man. you, Thank you, my brother. I As appreciate Mr. Clay you, man. said, keep, keep, what'd you say, Mr. Clayton? Mm-hmm. Keep the blues going. Flowing, flowing. Keep the blues flowing, Mr. Clayton. Mr. Clayton, keep the blues flowing, Dennis. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. All right. <clears throat> well, there you go. Nice, nice, nice little conversation there. Yeah, yeah, Dennis Lucky Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Have a have a few minutes there. Yeah. Um, I want to grab this break here. I've got to hit this uh, newscast, and I was going to play uh, play a tune or two from Earl. Uh, one of those, right. probably some listeners out there that may not be too familiar with who he is or who he was right. and what his music was about. And I have a selection of them, and I think that uh, you had gotten with Mark on on these tunes. Can you yeah. list them for us? Those six tracks. 
just so they know what we've got. Really. Well, here, you can take a look right here on this. Uh, it's the early stuff. I got the early stuff from 53 on down. Um, right there. Right, <laughs> right up there at the Nighthawk said, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, There at Radio Memphis and uh, Beale Street Popeye, uh, Nighthawk Tombs is here. You said you had uh, you had a, you had a story about uh, about that tune. You can pull that mic over there toward you. Yeah, man. Uh, we're sending out some love to Red Kelly, who's got this real cool website called Soul Detective. I've known about for a long time, but if you want to SoulDetective.com, you can go read along. Yeah, yeah, read along. It's read along with Robert. That's it. <laughs> it's a new gig here we're doing. At Radio Earl, Earl had a really cool studio. Uh, Earl was Duke Records, and um, it was at Main in Winchester, 297 North Main, which is where the uh, overpass is now. On the now functioning bridge. Anyway, they had a three. They had a three. Bridge. Yeah, Lord, they had a, a three track. And Earl used to say, uh, "Well, in Earl's own words, I originally went there to do sessions for Duke and Peacock." Earl said, "They were originally at Maine and Winchester. They had three track recording equipment, the only one in Memphis at the time. Different rhythm and blues and spiritual groups would come in to cut a session, pay for it, and then shop the tapes to different labels." In fact, I cut the first thing that the original Marquis did. I also knew Roosevelt Jameson, who was doing something as well, so I recorded both O.V. Wright, who Earl signed to do, and James Carr for him, which would seem to indicate 
that the mythic long-lost blood bank tapes that Roosevelt Jameson took to Quentin Claunch's house in the middle of the night was cut, indeed, by Earl at Fernwood. So anyway, uh, Beale Street Popeye was released in the one you just heard, the song, released in 1962. 1962. Um, mm -hmm. And it was trying to kind of cash in on that last night uh, sound. It's uh, with the, the original marquee. I could hear that, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Exactly. And uh, the, hit the head. yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, um, it says Gilbert Capel and Floyd Newman, both of whom appeared on this record. Mm -hmm. But uh, one person that does not appear on this record, who is usually accused of being on this record because the keyboard is so good, um, <laughs> is James Booker, who I love. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but according to Earl, the Wild Hammond that we just heard is being played by Joe Lewis Hall, formerly of Bill Black's Combo. Mm -hmm. Released around the same time as the Marquis on Popeye Stroll on Stacks. Neither 45 dented the charts. Thanks, Red Kelly, for the info. Uh, but anyway, that's that's another one of those things that Earl did. After that, Earl apparently had his own label. Uh, and he only pressed about 200 or so copies of this other song. Anyway, yeah. Earl Forrest was a, a force <laughs> to reckon with. He was a engineer... He was an A&R man for Duke Records. He was a songwriter. He was a producer, arranger. Um, you know, he was the guy that would tell uh, Bowlegs Miller, he would curse him and tell him he had to go take his trumpet out into the hall because he was too loud. <laughs> you know, because they had three tracks, man. It's not like they had a whole lot of different channels. No, you couldn't be bouncing too much, no. So anyway... Earl was uh, Earl was the force that made a whole lot of stuff happen, and he got along with Don Roby. And even after Roby bought Duke, Earl moved down to Houston for a while to work as his right hand man. And Earl used to brag to me that you know, because I got mad at Roby for stealing from Earl, because I loved Earl. He was like my musical father, and he told me to you know put a sock in it basically. And he said, Ah, oh, Roby's been playing for twenty years. I'm still here. Uh, so and and I get it. And then the other thing he told me was Roby gave me the opportunity. And the last thing he told me was that yeah, Roby would usually. He said I was one of the only guys that could get into his office. He said I would walk in the door and he'd start cursing me. It was all a big eye. <laughs> and while he was cursing me, while he was cursing me, he'd be writing me a check. <laughs> you and, dirty son of a bitch. Yeah, and then nobody because there was a big office full of people waiting to get in to see Roby. Yeah. Who many of whom probably were owed money or God only knows what. Mr. Roby was quite the character, I understand. And the deal on the record label with Mr. Mattis may or may not have taken point, uh, taken place at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. But that's the <laughs> that's the story on how he acquired Duke Records in Memphis. Oh wow! Yeah, was Earl's though, wasn't it? Yes. He, he had a first something. Yes. But uh, Mr. Mattis went to a record convention in Chicago or someplace, and apparently he he incorporated Duke Records, and that's what oh, he sold to Mr. Oh, Roby. Okay, okay. Yeah, one of those kind of deals. That's just mm -hmm. that's my best guess. Be the chip moment thing. Huh? Well, Earl didn't tell me the details of it, but uh, I I read that that's uh, what Mr. Mattis did, and he just you know he was a radio guy, and he was at a point where he really couldn't promote anything more than he already was so he was ready to hand it off anyway i think but they went on to do some great stuff and earl signed guys like ov Wright. he was in the beale streeters with uh johnny ace alexander and um bland bobby bland bobby yeah bland. bobby blue bland and um uh, uh 
anyhow, just uh, an amazing, amazing contribution to Memphis music and to music worldwide. The guy was uh, so active and had such a fertile mind for ideas and putting different combinations and permutations of people and music together. He's the guy that put Sam Phillips on the phone with Ike Turner and that birthed Jackie Brinston's mm -hmm. I'm glad you're uh, bringing it up. Very you, first yeah. rock and roll song. The Rocket 88. Can you explain how that happened? Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? This is well, story, right? well what I, here's what I heard. So this, this is... About as, about, <laughs> here's what I heard. This is as good as what you're going to get. But uh, what I heard was they were in Texas they got a phone call, and I think Earl had, had talked to Sam Phillips, and so he got him on the phone, and he set up a deal where Ike was going to come record for Sun. They were, so they came straight back, and going around one of the curves on the highway, they apparently had an amp, I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, that came off of the vehicle and went off into the weeds. They went and picked it up. Nothing was harmed in the amp other than it... it ruptured the speaker so when they got into the studio mr phillips seeing that it was broken and somebody said oh man what are we going to do the amps there's a hole in the speaker over here what are we going to do and the story is that he went to the waste paper basket took a piece of wadded up paper that had been thrown away and stuffed it into the speaker and that is what you hear on the guitar on that recording. Wow. Yeah, and it sounds like it, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a bad thing. It's no. rock and roll, man. That's yeah. I, I have the tune. Um, if we if we want to get into it, Earl told me it took two and a half days to cut that song. They cut it over and over and over again. They could right. never find the right person to sing it. Uh, the saxophone player they took over and they, they hated him. Jackie Brinson, right. Jackie, yeah, Jackie, right, right, he, right. he won the song. He made, yeah. he made the song, really. Absolutely. So that was that, was that but Earl was there for that. Mm -hmm. Earl was very quietly in the background um, all over the place, especially back, you know, Earl was one of the first people to get with B.B. King when he came to town. He was B.B. King's drummer. Mm -hmm. Earl had That's a right. top yeah. ten hit records in the United States of America wow. from Memphis, Tennessee. You know, the, was that was that label very lucrative for him? I have no idea. I mean, you said they only, they only yeah. put out like they didn't. I think back then, if you you got a weekly check, I don't have a clue how much money. And that that far back, if you got a twenty buck weekly check, that was your draw, almost like a car salesman, right? But that's how you also had your writers and your people. Mm -hmm. Record label starts getting a bunch of money. Well, they they got these guys on twenty bucks a week. Oh, listen it. <laughs> or less. That's what I'm not. Yeah. You know, I wasn't born till '51, so uh, I, I think they paid Earl because Earl made things happen. Uh, yeah, well, that's, Earl, that's probably why he got cussed at. He was he was the golden goose. He was absolutely <laughs> because he could do everything. He could play the drums for you. Mm -hmm. uh, if a guy gets stuck in the middle of writing a song in the studio, he'll sit down and they'll finish the song. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Earl could sit down and engineer a record for you before anybody that. I know of much except for, you know, just a couple other people in Memphis, Phillips Recording. If you go back and see all the little pieces that Earl helped put together, it explains a whole lot of what happened after, you know, uh, the 50s, basically. And here he is putting stuff out in 62 and, uh, you know, putting out 
real records with horn parts and stuff like that, not just. Well, he was at this point probably riding the wave a little bit too, with the with rock and roll making the scene yeah. and you know, yeah, you know higher higher paced blues and things like that. Yeah, he's, but he's, then he he made a call to uh, Ike Turner to come to Memphis, right? Yeah, with yeah. Rocket Eight Eight. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Wow, that's amazing, man. That's the song. Earl amazing. Earl was instrumental and <coughs> like like they signed Ob Wright. Uh, he recorded Bobby Blueland. James Carr and Coppola. James Carr. It's a ton, a ton of stuff that he did that just nobody really saw because, you know, he, he wasn't, necessary, wasn't necessarily on the label. Well, back then, it wasn't quite like that anyway because uh, right. the label took everything by command, by the owners, just like they're saying. The first eight track they ever had in Memphis, Tennessee was right over at Sam Phillips. Yeah. yeah. Now, they take the stuff from Sam Phillips and turn it over to Sun Studio, and that's where they make the hit claim. But that was the first eight track they ever had. Jeff Stewart and all of us played over Isaac Hazel was supposed to whatever. Was that. Plus, Earl came over that with us too. Yeah, I've seen Matter that fact, machine. It's <laughs> cool. He did some of the first work on that eight track, Earl Forrester. I believe that. We yeah. did a thing called Suicide, Isaac Hazel and I. Never left out the studio. To Jeff Stewart, this is dedicated to the one you love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Earl was right there with us. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. believes a Jackie Wilson, but you know, hey, it was good music. Right on. And we did good. That's Earl playing drums on BB King's first hit record. Yeah, right, right. right. That's it's it. Three Pop Blues on Bullet from mm-hmm. Nashville, yes. Yeah. Earl playing the drums. All those pictures that you see, there's a famous picture of Earl, of BB King, and Earl, who's wearing a light colored suit, and standing right behind him is Evelyn Young, who you know is a yeah. fine horn player from oh, Memphis. My old bandmate and friend, and a whole bunch of great musicians from Memphis and the surrounding area. And wow, uh, if you think about, I don't know what the date of that photograph was, but it's probably the early 50s. But they were going out for nine month tours with Duke, and they had a thing called the Buffalo Booking Agency. And they'd send, was. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'd send this lady named Evelyn, somebody, anyway. They'd send them out for nine months. They'd have one group that went to the West Coast, one group that went to the East Coast, and then at Christmas time they'd come back to Houston, which is where the Peacock Club and okay. the record label was located, and they'd swap sides of the country. So mm-hmm. Brad and Brad and I were in a band that was working the West Coast, and mm-hmm. you were in a band with Cam working mm-hmm. the East Coast. We'd see y'all at Christmas and wave and hug, and then go to the other ends of the country. <laughs> see, that was a, they call that a divided chitlin circuit doing that. Yeah, that's exactly because they worked just like Bobby Bobby Rush was working all over the place, where a whole lot of others working here and there. We ran into a place called. Uh, Shake them twice, Tennessee up here on the other side near Dyersburg. Yeah. And of all the people come walking through Bobby Blue Bland. Now he was a painter in West Memphis, Arkansas during that time. Wow. And we were playing over Plantation Inn. So Yeah. You, you you never know who you might see on that road at one time. But we didn't stay out that long. We stayed out for three months at a time and come on by can. But after that we might go to Kansas City or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was telling my friends this earlier. I can't think of all the places that we've been because we've been too told doggone many. Time. You know what I mean? But man, that Plantation Inn experience, that's that's real, real heavy. You guys were really instrumental in what I would call the Memphis sound, as far, especially where the horn part is concerned. Well, we were the horns. Yeah, time. that's what I'm saying. If you, if you, and Jim Dickinson was the guy yeah. that first said this that made my ears perk up and I went, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
But West Memphis was wide open. My my uncle used to go over there and, and uh, party was, a little bit. Little the, Las Vegas. Yes. Little Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was it was. If, if you couldn't find it in West Memphis, Arkansas, brother, you better forget you about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> you get down on 16th Street, 8th Street. You got Babe's Grill down there. Babe's Grill had uh, gambling in the back. He had a fellow by the name of uh, I can't even think of name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, they had gambling back, fish sandwiches, red soda pops, left stairs. They had yeah. rooms just like uh, the Glove Hand. They had them up there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And through the changes, I mean, uh, well, we had a whole lot. And I, I got I had some pictures of uh, Pee Wee and all of them. They used to play over in clubs and everything. You had Danny's Club, the Cotton Club, and all the rest of them. Plus, you had a good radio station that played all the music for the blues singers. Yes. Now, Bo Pete, he, he was one of the last fellows. We had our general uh, with the dog track right before Isaac passed. No, Bo Pete, he's gone, too. All our musicians during that time are gone. Our original Plantation Inn band that Floyd Newman had over there, yeah. we worked from 61 up to 64. I was the last band member they hired in 61. Wow. The very last one played over there. Through the changes, we had Howard Rhymes on drums, oh, Isaac yeah. Hayes on piano, had Joe Woods on, on, on a guitar, <coughs> we had Big Bassy on bass. During that time, every band that come through there, all these movie stars, they were right there taking pictures busting on that time. Oh, wow. Through the changes, I'm not on a picture nobody got except the movie stars. Wow. But that was a centerpiece for all of us. Earl Forrester used to come over there and sit back in the back and listen to us. Yep. Just to get some of the things they had going. Right. We had jazz musicians coming there, four o'clock in the morning. We had four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we worked from 9 p.m. to four o'clock in the morning, five days a week. Five days a week. That's Not what I'm talking about. Days, five days a week. Five During that time, we didn't get paid for $10 a head oh, wow. per person, but it was good money then because we made the tips. We but the dollar 25 cents to get in. What do you expect? Earl was sitting up there one, one night, him and Floyd sitting there in the corner. Now, Floyd joined the band with him, uh, with B.B. Uh, King, during that time and then after also. But during that time, they used to tell me stories about Evelyn Young and all the different things that him, I mean, that her, her and Earl went through. Because Earl said, hey, nobody can get a girlfriend because of her. We <laughs> called Mama Nuts. So, Mama Nuts. Mama Nuts. Mama Nuts. She, she, she took, took, you can don't, don't mess with her. She okay. was badass, man. I know. Like, she was my friend. She used to holler out these jazz chords and mm -hmm. drink vodka and, yes, sir. and pass the bottle of men. She'd mm -hmm. go, Night Hawk. One, three, five, seven, nine, nine. Yes, sir, nine, nine. Eleven. My hand will not stretch that far, Evelyn. <laughs> well, you better try. You better try. Yes, and so I'd, I'd miss it. I'd miss it. And she'd lean back, man, and mm -hmm. slap my hand and laugh and laugh and laugh. She and I were such good pals, man. We got to play at the Club Paradise together. Uh, a lot of the old Blues Alley Everybody's folks. Club and Paradise. that was all thanks to Earl Forrest. Mm -hmm. He got all of us work. And uh, and it was humble, y'all. I mean, like we'd go down on Tuesdays, cause see what you're talking about is the, the to, to guys like me is like the golden days. If I could work seven days a week playing music, I'd be doing it. I'd work five gigs in three days. Well, you could do that then. Though. Well, I was strong then. I could do it. <laughs> but I know what you're saying too, which is there was work then. Yeah, we had work. Yes, sir. Work. And and, uh, and and you know these these things kind of changed, I guess, over time, but. Thanks to Earl, uh, we go down on Tuesday nights, me and Evelyn, Willie, Willie mm -hmm. Pettis, uh, uh, anyway, 
different different folks. A lot of old Blues Alley folks. Bob Talley, Fat yeah. Sonny. Talley, all those, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of people you know. And, uh, and Sunbeam Mitchell, who <laughs> was tight with Earl. Man, he said, uh, all right, boys, girls, uh, y'all come on in here Tuesday night. Yes, you play did. the first set. If you get anybody, if you draw flies, if you get some people in here to buy some food and liquor, mm -hmm. then you can stay and I'll That's pay right. you. But if you can't, you're going to have to pack you your tent home. and go home. And a lot of days, <laughs> a lot of days it would be me and Evelyn and Evelyn would say, Pettis. Come here, and everybody throw in their little dollar Junior, or two. Junior, Junior Pettis, he said, Pettis, go down to the liquor store and get us a pint of vodka. So we would literally wait for Pettis to come back, and then we would all pass this you know, bottle of, of vodka around after the gig that we didn't have. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade any amount of money for those times, though. <laughs> those were... Uh, it felt so good to be part of a real band and to be included, man. But you know what you just said about Pettis doing that? He was taking my money doing that time, because when I was younger... Much younger during that time. That's what I did. I was a gopher on Bill Street at nine years old. Wow. Up and down the street. Dr. Porter's office to the, to, to the uh, holiday, not holiday, Hall Harlem House. Yeah. From the palace all the way to Paul's Taylor and Greeners. From Greeners to A Squaw, from A Squaw to the bowling alley. A lot of people know we had a bowling alley down there. I know. We had the bowling alley and everything else. Hole in the ground, but right? I used to make 75 cents in a nice time. That was more than some of the people out there working. Wow. I was just a plain gopher. My grandfather used to work with uh, Lieutenant Lee and all of them down at the insurance company. And he used to pick me up and pick, pick me up at 9, 9 11 o'clock at night and take me home then. Yeah. Uh, after school, that's where I was, down on Bill Street. Wow. Now, from downstairs, a lot of people don't realize, they still don't realize it. Right there where you say, uh, Wet Willis? Yeah. That was Pantera's drugstore during that time. Sure. That's the first place oh. they ever made an aspirin. You know where aspirin is? Mm-hmm. St. Joseph Aspen, that's where I made the first St. Joseph Aspen, right there. Wow. At Pantez. Oh, wow. If you look at up there and look at the M, it, it tell you about it. Now, upstairs, the first floor you up, upstairs, that was Club Handy. The third floor was the hotel. Mitchell Hotel. Mm -hmm. And that flew all the way back down to Front Street, on, on, not Front Street, down to, uh, the, to the Third Street, where everybody could see it all across there. But people be hanging out the windows, having a good time. But during that time, you got to realize you had the Velvet Glove right across the street. From the time you walk down the steps from Club Handy, the Velvet Glove's there. On the right-hand side, from the alley, you got a place called Cub Peppers, some of the best barbecue in the world. <laughs> right next door was the Hitching Post. Whole different thing. Drive-in. That was a drive-in during that time. Wow. Bill Street stayed full. You can smell barbecue. You can smell fish. You can smell, you can smell everything on Bill Street. Yeah. And you can... No problems, meaning no fights, no nothing. It was beautiful. Yeah. The only thing is, on Thursday night, you had to change over because that was the time white folks come down there. Yeah. And they had their shows at the Palace and also the New Daisy and some of the best nights you can have. After they leave, right back, Chocolate City, all over Bill Street. Yeah. Chocolate but, City. Yeah. Chocolate all the way down. Church Park was the same way. We had boxing matches down there every weekend. And that People was just don't know. Earl came down there one night and uh, they had an old truck. I can't think of the kind of truck he had. It was, it was a International Harvest something, the flatbed. They had an organ on top of it. All these other musicians around, <laughs> foot, the, the Dixie Home put on down there. Everybody come around just to hear this man play. Earl gave a two-hour show down there and turned the place out. They had a blood bank right across the street from, uh, <laughs> from, from, from uh, Church Park. That was Church's... Uh, 
Mr. Church, mm. blood bank over there. People came out there, stopped selling blood to come out to listen to them play. They stopped. Look here. That's strong. It sounds so good. I got to get to the show. It sounds so good. They had to because between the... Okay, you got First First Baptist Church right there on the corner. That's one of the first churches there. Then you got the park right here with, with the auditorium. He parked right between the church and the auditorium. The music blasted out everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Earl Forrester sit up there and played his butt off. And hey, people start, they bring harmonicas out there. They had ukulele. They had some everything out there playing. And that's where wow. you find your talent for Beale Street. Right. Because the people down on 4th and 2nd, they used to walk all the way down oh, at Kichetta. That's sure. right. I used, to, right I used to work down on Beale Street right upstairs from Alfred's back when I was at 103. Yeah. And up there on the second floor. And that uh, was Mitchell's. That was Mitchell's, yes. Mm-hmm. And I was told at one point there was a hotel or a bordello or something up there. It was there. a hotel. Mm-hmm. And um, Little Richard told me that mm-hmm. he used to live there when he was when he was when he, he was much younger. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think our control room was his bedroom at one point. And he, he his eyes got real wide. And he goes, "Oh, the stories I could tell you." <laughs> the walls could talk. The walls could talk. Yeah, oh, pick yeah. up the beds and walk. Yeah, yeah but that's so. a really wild part of that of that street there between you know he was not alone in that Sunbeam loved musicians he employed musicians and so you know if a guy needed a place to lay his head or needed a bowl of chili that's it don't mention chili man and yeah the best chili in the world best chili so I mean so you know you had two out of three of the food groups and a place to lay your head and Mm -hmm. beer chili and a place to rest and know how to play and know how to play yeah and, and could play and also the big thing was there was a scene if he wanted to go hear Evelyn and, and admire her saxophone tone, mm. there was a scene. People were playing. It was like you were saying there was work. People were out doing stuff. You could go out and hear stuff. You could go to the Plantation Inn and dance. Yeah. Every night if you felt like it. That's right. That's, uh, with a with a band with horns, man. I mean. But that's the Memphis sound, though. Is is with the horns. I mean, yeah. I, I know the organ plays a huge part in this as well. Yeah. You I know when the, the Hammond organ. rolls in. Love the organ. Thanks to Earl Forrest, I'm a, I'm an organ player. He mm-hmm. he took his money one day that he was supposed to keep for booking my band because he was the band manager, and he rented me a Hammond organ with it instead and surprised me with it about 45 minutes before we went on stage. And mm-hmm. I said, I don't know how to play it. And he said, well, you got about 45 minutes to figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is downtown Rooftop Bank, right? Yeah, the First Tennessee yeah, Bank. First Tennessee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, long, long time. This one of the first jobs I had up there at the bank. Yeah. Business Porter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Long ago. Wow. Uh let me pause here. Pick a pick another tune off of that off that list there, Robert. What do you oh, or man. Cam, which what which one you wanna You know, uh, uh Whooping and Hollering was Whooping Hollering, that's it. Well, put, that put a, that Whooping Hollering on. That was a top ten hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Nineteen fifty three. That's right. Wow. And radio station. And we recut it with Earl singing. Yeah. We're we're singing. Yeah, we, we got we got four cuts. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Brad and I did that. Hey. Yeah. What was it? Well, Robert was the connect on all that. We had mm-hmm. Richard Hyde on bass. Yeah, that's my But boy. you'd get him a beer and he'd have a straw. And he really didn't even finish the whole <laughs> beer. He was kind <laughs> right. of a tall boy, right. you know, with a straw. He never did. Oh, when he was younger, he did. I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we finished quite a few. How was it? We finished quite a few. That was the last thing he ever cut. That was the last thing that Richard Hyde ever recorded. That was the last thing that my cousin John Burgess, who played the drums on there, uh, ever recorded. 
Um, so it's a real special thing to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just so thankful that I was able to corral Earl uh, long enough, a couple of days, to get him to come over there. I mean, one, we, we were worried that we weren't going to be able to get him to come sing yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And so I wanted him to be there when we were tracking some of those songs, but he couldn't be. So I called him up on the phone, and he would literally hum the arrangements over the telephone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the little Radio Shack stick on the phone and had a cassette player and mm -hmm. recorded Earl oh, wow. singing. It's where wow. we know what key and where, we and, and where the changes were, and that, mm -hmm. that's how we... We yeah. tracked the song <laughs> and then got him to come up. That was rather tricky. What, what it was, he, he got off on his meds. He, he got off on his meds and he couldn't come that first time. For a second, yeah. But then he then he, he rallied. And uh, the other yep. thing was, you know, um, his lady was had Alzheimer's. And hmm. uh, so yep. somebody had to be with her all the time. When I would go over there and visit sometimes, he would have to introduce me to her. Ten times, and he was always so gentle and kind with her, and man, and um, and Thelma, oh my lord, he, your mom, Pam, yeah. I mean, he he spoke so highly of her. He said, if it weren't for her, he wouldn't be alive. Yeah. It's like I got sick, man. You know, he she had, saw me he through. Had a pacer. He told me that yeah. ten times. Pacemaker. Pacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not, I'm the I'm the youngest I'm the youngest of nine siblings. What well, yeah, nine, nine siblings. So all of us kind of rally around uh, Earl Fox because we all loved him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, like and my mom made sure that we we tend to him. You know, especially when he was having those moments. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really great though when he walked in the studio. You could tell it just like Lightens up. It was like a. Blood transfusion. Like, no, of, it, like he never know. left. He <laughs> jumped up to the microphone and started singing. It was yeah. perfect. I couldn't believe it. He was great. I mean, what what was that? Two thousand. What? Nineteen ninety nine or two thousand? Twenty years plus. Yeah. So that was four years before he passed. Then. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's right before Richard died. <laughs> yeah, but it was really. I mean, he just. He was a happy camper. 90, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he was. Play, play, play a couple of them tunes. If you never heard Earl sing, How about, next time you well, see me. I, what I've got here. Hoop and Hollering, I remember some of them. Yeah, what I've got out of the break here, I've got, uh, since we talked about it, I thought I'd throw in the Ike Turner and Jackie Brinston Rocket 88. Right on. Yes. So let's play that, and I was going to play Hoopin' and Hollering. Uh, the, the 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 older the old the one that you pulled off of that and we'll, and we'll just go from there. How about that? Sounds perfect. <laughs> Smart and designed black convertible 
in my rocket and don't be late, baby. We were pulling out about half past eight. Going round the corner and get a bill. Everybody in my car's gonna take a little lift. Rocket 88, since we talked about it, the uh, arguably the very first rock and roll song. Yeah. I know some people like to sit on that whole, what was Bill Haley? Nah. <laughs> no, exactly. Who? Bill who? No, no, no. Rock and roll was right here. 
right, right here in Memphis. Been trying to steal it from Memphis all the while, though. Well, yeah, still is. When did did, did Earl strikes me as a kind of a guy, kind of a cat that started really young in his in his life? He did. You know. You know, he had blood in his bones when he was first born. He said, "Yeah." So he has the talent, he had the know-how, and he had the physical know-how how to think and listen to see what you're doing. He, it, it, very few people come in this life like that. The only person I know is Earl and Isaac Hayes. Yeah, now, Isaac had a brilliant ear because he played. Was the first two or three years he played with us, he played with one hand. He didn't have to play two hands. Yeah, when he got to Floyd Newman. Then he started playing with two hands. That's where he learned. Right. The plantation hand. But uh, when he was to do the ads over here at Southern Club, uh, a lot of people don't know about the Southern Club in Memphis, Gabe Tallarico had that club on 3rd and Crump, right behind Earl's Hot Biscuits. Earl's Hot Biscuits <laughs> on Crump. Yeah. But uh, we used to sit there, and we used to listen to Earl, and we listened to all the different things that he used to do. And then I listened to Isaac, and the way I was, Isaac had an ear to listen to near things, he has a perfect pitch. Yep. The only two I've ever known, they have that like that. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, yeah, that's a gift. God that's... bless them sometimes, you know. Oh, they, they just, you just touch somebody and go, there, you're, you're, you're the one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to do this. Uh, yeah. They've touched so many other people. That's, you know, like both of the gentlemen you just mentioned, Isaac Hayes and Earl Forrest. Touch so many musicians' lives. Earl used to come down to Phillips Studio when he was when he was with J.F. Stewart. He used to come down there to Sam Phillips Studio, the one on Madison, right? Not the one on, not where where Sun Records is. Right. He came. He used to come down there with us then. Yes. See. Yeah, I recorded down and, there. That's, see, a, that's a fun. They place. teach. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, nice, but, nice EMTs. Big mm -hmm. echo chamber thing. Sure. Yeah, magic. Where the magic's in that, 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 yeah. that thing, man. And they've just redone this thing over the past, what, four, five, six years, I yes. guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, it looked good when they first built it. Oh, there, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. God, it was the most, like I said, the first eight-track in Memphis. Yeah. And that was one of the first purpose-built facilities right. for music, That's was right. it? Yeah. Sure. Like uh, the, other, the other, I'm thinking of is the, uh, the now American recording studios over there yeah. off of uh, yeah. Dedrick and uh, Airways. What I couldn't understand oh. is why did they keep on making records there and send them over to Sun? I never, I never could understand that. I think what they did... Well, you record that and say they recorded... Was there mastering of some sort that was going well, on in those That's what I was going to say. I think that people... They did would, some everything over there. Yeah. Yeah, people just would cut yeah. records, and then... She that's what Earl was talking about. He said he cut the first thing, some of the first stuff on the marquees, because mm -hmm. a lot of you know, gospel groups, mm -hmm. popular groups would come through, record like a demo or something like we all used to do yeah. and then go see it and shop it around to see if any record labels would be you know willing to pick up on what they were doing uh, so there was a certain amount of that too there weren't just record deals out there to be well no made. and there probably wasn't much for distribution in those in those days either no not like it is today clearly no, but not a no. lot it, it was so tough to get things pressed to get records pressed that Sam Phillips went to see a guy named Buster Thompson, and Buster, I'd be dang. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you how much. If you were Columbia or RCA, you would have first shot at the line to get your records pressed because you were the biggest customer. That's right. right. Sam Phillips, you were way towards the end. You're of down the line. the bottom of the line there. Yeah. So he said. You know the hell with this, and he was complaining to his friend Buster. Said, "What could you know? What could we do?" And so Buster Thompson went to the. This is no lie. He went to 
asked as many places as he could ask, could he tour their facility and watch them press wax records? They all turned him down except for one place, the School for the Blind. And the School for the Blind let him go over there. He did drawings, photographs of, of their record press. He went to a, locomo a place where they made locomotives and locomotive parts in Memphis, had this thing built, and then experimented with the goop that makes up records until he that violent wax and what goodness, and he did that so that they wouldn't have to stand in line anymore. And had he not done that, a lot of those chess records and Sun records mm -hmm. and whatever it was, you'd maybe you'd have never heard them. They wouldn't have been pressed up. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's a Memphis phenomenon, bro. It is. Yeah, through the changes during that time, would anybody here? Y'all, y'all should be old enough to remember all this. Do you know the best thing that was going on for Phillips during that time? There's a radio station called uh, his little oh, brother on there. Ladies. Dewey Phillips. Yeah, Dewey uh, Phillips, yeah. Dewey Phillips dis displayed all around the whole entire United States because of his music. Yeah. And the commercials that they had was outrageous. You know, <laughs> are, are you familiar with uh, CV? Champagne Velvet. Champagne Velvet. Champagne Velvet, yes. I remember hearing how those about, ads, yes. How about 51? You heard of 51? Yes. 51. Yeah. What about Erdl's er, 92? Gold Crest. Gold Crest. 92. Gold, oh, gold, yeah, gold Crest. Hepticon. How er, about Erdl's 92? Erdl's <laughs> 92 and all of them, they were challenging here in Memphis. Uh, now, during that time, I couldn't go to the zoo except on Tuesdays, I think it was. But all the rest of about the end of the Overton Park, yeah. everywhere you saw Erdl's 92, you had that CV. Yep. CV there was right here in Memphis, Tennessee all this time. Champagne Velvet was, uh, it was brewed pretty, right here in Memphis. Yeah. And that's all Dewey Phillips exposed on that. And that you couldn't beat. Yeah. He said you put a, a saddle on a piss ant and go out and get yourself some champagne Damn velvet. That's right. <laughs> That's right. In the fifties he did that. Yeah. In the fifties. In the fifties, yeah. a little Richard record. I'm gonna bring one of his recordings down here, and uh, it's a whole show. Yeah. Of Dewey Phillips, I have it on. I'd Red love to hear it. Yeah. Nineteen fifty-two. Wow. 1952. And it has some of the people we were talking about earlier, uh, Roscoe Gordon. Yes. All that stuff on it. I'm, I'm bringing down this up. Let y'all. I'll Roscoe give it to Mark. Let, let Mark come down here. Earl Forrest touched along the way. Uh, and Earl, you know, got with Mr. Mattis down at WDIA, and I think that's how they made a lot of these. Uh, you know, that's that's that was the vehicle before he had an ability down on Maine and Winchester to go down there and cut stuff. Right. Some of these first things that they cut was it was WDIA stuff, and that pictures of the Beale Streeters. You mm -hmm. can see. WDIA banner in the background. The same for Roscoe Gordon, and I don't even know how many other artists, but after that, it kind of turned into a record label, and then Don Roby came in, and then it was Duke, and then after that was Duke and Peacock after Mr. Roby came in, and he brought in this element from Houston. But for some time, I think they still kept the place going in Memphis, and uh, which was Duke. And uh, Earl was, I think, Duke Records, from what I have been able to gather, um, if it had to be done, he did it. it. We would engineer the records. He was the brains. He was everything. He was the get up. Well, and to go. go so far as to learn how to actually physically press a platter, you know, that's 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 a lot. I mean, there trying to a, figure out because nobody was going to tell him how to do it. There was a lot of dough involved. 
<laughs> it was worth their time. Yeah, it was. During that time when they did that, they did it on a doggone clear sheet up in metal. Yeah, yeah. And then they put the wax, then they, they, they put the wax all the way around. I got, I got, well, I had a picture of it in my telephone, but I have the one of the originals that we had in 19, when they first opened up Philip Studio. That's what, what we recorded on, Jeb Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Jeb Stewart, a lot of people don't know who he was here, uh, that's young people. Jeb Stewart was one of the first uh, uh, people that was on the New Daisy uh, talent show. He came out of service and wanted something to do, so he started singing. Matter of fact, he did everything Jackie Wilson put out, and he started winning like mad, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then he started playing at the Southern Club. Uh, anybody in town during that time that knew about him, Gabe Tallarico set this place on fire with Jeb yeah. Stewart. Yeah. We did a place called Peppermint Lounge, Top uh -huh. Cat. Uh -huh. We did Clearpool during that time, Holiday Inn out on Lamar. Yeah. We had all those places. And of all the people that were jealous of somebody like me was somebody named Ace Cannon. Which <laughs> <laughs> I was over at Holiday Inn. He playing on one side of the pool and Florida was playing on the other side of the pool. That's funny. Oh, wow. I played tough in my style. People I mean, had to come over there and see who it was. Ace recorded in this in this facility. He caught, I point. caught holy hell out of Ace Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get drunk behind Ace. Well, he stayed drunk, though. But <laughs> there may be some truth he in this game. He, he Maybe. He didn't want me playing this music. I'll tell you that much. But yeah, that's what happened, though. We had some good times back then. Well, it sounds like it. <laughs> it sounds like it was just a real blast, really. Yeah. I mean, you got a whole new genre of music that's that's hitting the that's hitting hitting the public. Mm -hmm. You got, I could see where you got all these these old white guys scared to death about all of this, you know, because this rock and roll. Hey, get that jungle music out of here, and it mm -hmm. was you couldn't stop it. Well, they see, sold so many yeah, records, if, and if you go back yeah. before that, it was kind of the same thing to me. Uh, the precursor to that was when B.B. King came to town. You got B.B. King and Bobby Bland and yes. Johnny Ace, all at the same time mm -hmm. now. All yeah. at the same time. same time. And as as many talented musicians' names as just came out of my mouth, there was a hundred more. Or more. Uh, or more. And they were... They were highly talented, and a lot of these guys, like Mr. Thomas Clay, they're they're uh, they know music. They like horn players. Like if you want to get good and you're a musician, play with some horn players. Oh man. Lord, yes. You know, learn how to blow a note, whatever your instrument is, and they will show you if you ask. A lot of times, but these guys would. They adored the tone of my my pal Mama Nude, you know, mm -hmm. Evelyn Young, and she was the greatest though. Yeah. Look how I many. Okay, meanwhile, excuse me. You know who Mama Nude came came out and, and got people playing like a fellow by the name of Ben Branch. Yes. He tried to play like he played tenor saxophone just like her, but he couldn't beat her. He got his style from Hank Crawford, Benny. Yes. Benny Crawford. He got his style from Mama Nude. Yeah. Now, through the changes, besides that, you list all the musicians out here. Only one person that you can say you can't transport, that's uh, Fred Ford. Fred Ford mm -hmm. is a comedian. Oh, yeah, comedian. he's an entertainer. Anybody that you hear play, Fred Ford could play just like him. Wow. Just like him. Wow. Down at the Peabody in the afternoon sometime, him and Honeymoon Garner and oh, Taz, Rich Taz on drums, those three played there for years and years off and on. I loved it. Look here, you couldn't beat it. 
anything you asked him to play, he played it. Wow. Him and B3, man. Oh, That's right. They hauled a B3 and a Leslie cabinet. <laughs> oh, yeah. 500-pound organ. Oh, yeah. Mm. Now, Buddy Pug did the same thing. That's commitment, my friends. That's commitment to the art. That's the show. Well, it's it's the show and show business, you know. Yeah. With all of these musicians that were around at that time, though, was it was it would was, was there any like real competition between these cats? Uh, oh, were you guys yeah. ever fighting? That's I know you were fighting for gigs and stuff, but you know, I all mean, you had was competition. That's, that's all what, it was. That's what made you better because see, right, right, I can see you, that. you know, like you said, old, old tune said a long time ago said, "Do you know how to get to Carnegie Hall?" Practice, 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 That's and it. practice. Yeah. That's the way you get there. Yeah. With musicians, if you can't conquer your instrument, your magnet. I'm, I'm saying, I'm tan. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a banjo. I mean, a guitar player, a piano player, whatever. But once you accomplish your horn to play it, and you can control your horn and let it do what you want it to do, you can feel. I can feel him when he's playing. Yeah. I can come right behind him and get the same. Soul and feeling and play it myself. Right. He know when I'm going to go to the break. You know, he can feel it too. That's what jazz. Where a lot of people understand where jazz come into it. Jazz is the feeling from your soul to what you want to do. Right. It's a freedom. Right on. It's, it's that a beautiful. It's a freedom. It's a freedom. Soul. Yeah. You got to know yeah. what you're doing because if you don't know what you're jazz. doing, ain't nobody going to tell you. Yeah, you have to be able to make the conversation that, work. That's right. It's not just an excuse to play wrong notes, no, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, man. I, mean, I know it's a tired it. joke, but that's but but you hear it. And the jazz scene here, it, currently here in this town, is sadly not here. It's, it's deplorable. We got too many good musicians here in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. All of our jazz musicians had to leave. Just including me, I had to leave Memphis. Everybody. Yeah. Back during that time, there were so many people around and so many people playing. How did the young people? How did they you learn, and how did they get a chance to play? Were there opportunities for them to learn and play? I mean, okay. you never heard of church before? Okay, yeah. that's how they learn. James Williams. They come up in church. That's how they learn. James learned. Williams, piano boy, piano player at Eastern Star. He ended up being the number one pianist in jazz out of Memphis, Tennessee, up in New York City. Yep. He's dead and gone now, but he was one of the greatest. You hear me? Phineas Newhorn, yeah. with his daddy's band, right. one of the very greatest, right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Besides that, you have many, many more people in Memphis, Tennessee that could give you the same rhythm. Right. We got just too many good musicians. Charles Lloyd, George Coleman, Lucius Coleman. Lucius Coleman's oldest brother, Charles. We played old Plantation A&E. I played him when he came to Plantation A&E. I'm the baby. I was at Plantation A&E at 16 years old. They had to grow a mustache on one mouth and on my beard and everything else. I hadn't been this man over there, but I was over there. <laughs> but, they, but, they could, but they couldn't play the blues in church. Well, see... But that's where you learn it, though. That's what you have to do. But they learned the basics Floyd, in church. Floyd Newman showed me the way. Floyd Newman became band director because we had one person, a drum player, they had, they called it, I don't mean, Sparrow. Sparrow got fired from Mr. Berger. Mr. Berger didn't, didn't want him getting, being late all the time. So he fired, I mean, he fired Sparrow Thing that he fired Sparrow that night and told Floyd Newman to take the band over. I played twice with him prior to that. That's Isaac Hayes over there doing that. Before then, Willie Mitchell had it. Before that, Willie Mitchell had it. Phineas Newborn Sr. had it. That's the way it began. Oh, at Plantation Inn from that. Like it's like a vault, Las Vegas. That's what West Memphis was, a Las Vegas, another uh, Las Vegas. Anything you wanted to do over there, you could do it. The, the, 
the quality, the quality of, of Memphis. Unbelievable. Come out of Memphis, though. Yeah. You, we got a, I got a book at home that it, it lines up like I don't know what. Manassas High School. Mm. Now, I got to get Mr. Emerson Abel. Emerson Abel. He's the one yep. that showed me the way. He touched he said, a lot of people. Join the union. I went down there. Isaac, myself, and Howard Grimes went down to local yep. 71. Right on Young or whatever street down there. Yep. It looked like I don't know what. We joined that union that night. I mean, that afternoon. Out of Curry's Tropicana, we played behind the Impressions in, uh, wow. that night. So, so The following could... week, we met with uh, Ike and Tina Turner down. down there was a hotel right there at Union. Right where, it's a dentist clinic there right there. With McDonald's there now and all, too. It was a hotel there. We met them down there, and we went on the road with them wow. as a second just to open their group up. Wow. Me, Isaac, Floyd, and all of us. And we had, we had a time. Damn. So these clubs in West Memphis, would they, would, I mean, could you get down there and play like all night? I mean, they yes. would stay open all night? Yes. No, we just started at 9 o'clock at night and end up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If the tips are good enough, we'd be there even longer, you know. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah Dennis, I mean, Dennis was all right, but it wasn't too much now. Bobby Bland was a painter over there during that time. Mm-hmm. And that's where he first started out singing over Dennis and places like that. Come over here and went down to Boxtown and some of the clubs out there in the wilderness. Well, Boxtown, where people don't know where Boxtown is, it's on the deep south end of the river from, if you go straight down Mitchell Road, I think, is that Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, All the way down, you, you hit Boxtown. Yeah. Was Danny's the place that had like the chicken cage? Wire. The chicken yeah. wire? Yeah. Yep. yep. If not, you get That was sort of like the, based on the Blues Brothers. I think they had that. Well, at one point place, in the movie, it's, not, it's only, not the only place that ever did that. Oh, okay. Like that. Right. No, it was, no, it was a thing. Yeah. You don't want to play those places usually, if you could avoid. Did you, uh, <laughs> you band on Sunny Blake? Sunny Blake, yeah. Huh? Yeah. From West Memphis. Sunny Blake, yeah. yeah. And wasn't Herman Green in the midst of all of this too? Herman Green was one of the better musicians out of Memphis too. He had to leave town to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. And Count Basie and Duke Ellington and all the rest of them. Yeah. Bill Easley, a young man, he's younger than I am, true enough. He came here to Memphis. Terrific musician. He had to leave, too. He got with a big band. Yeah. Just like Floyd. Floyd, Floyd could have been in any place he wanted to, but uh, he got sick when they were in Vegas with Isaac Hayes. And uh, Emerson Abrams told him, uh, I'm quitting. I'm taking Floyd back here to Memphis. Well, that's what type of person Emerson Abram is. Wow. He had every musician you can think of in Memphis, Tennessee. Absolutely. Now we got Bill Hurd from Manassas High School. You Lunsford. have Eddie, huh? Lunsford. 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 Oh, Jimmy Lunsford. That was that was like in the thirties, wasn't it? He was the main man. Thirties and forties, yeah. Jimmy, yeah, yeah the Jimmy, see, the Lunsford two step or two beat. Yeah, I think yeah. is what it was. Yeah. You see, he was the big band from Memphis yeah. that all the other bands tried right. to copy off. Right. You understand? Yeah. Yep. Memphis have always had excellent musicians. Yeah. They had to leave Memphis to make a living. Yeah. That's what happens. And it's still that same way today, really. Think about it. Yeah. My friend Dennis Taylor. Yeah. Leave Memphis. And it's funny they'll go to they'll go to another town and say hey we're a Memphis musicians you know and then they'll fill the house. Yeah, well you know you know yeah, what it is mainly here in Memphis. <clears throat> What's that? Politics. Yeah. Yes, sir. It is. Mm-hmm. Politics. I've never Definitely. seen I've never seen so much talent and such a huge failure to dovetail commerce and talent. <laughs> How difficult should it be Shouldn't to it? show off? 
some of the best talent in the world that gets kind of hidden. Um, That's why this radio station exists. Yeah. Because no one else is doing it. Right. Well, that was the only reason why I did it. It was like, there's no one else doing this. Thank you for the promotion. Because otherwise, you know, unless somebody does something like a, like a Rick Cheddar or an Earl Forrest, then nothing gets done. And, you know, I think Mr. Emerson Abel is a great guy to bring up because here's a guy who taught everybody. If Look, he not only taught his own students, his music students in, in high school, he taught people that he was he was in a band with me a couple times, and if you didn't know what you were doing or you needed a little help, he'd just come up and grab you a little bit. Hey, man, come here. Let me show you a little something on your horn. Hey, man, let me... Uh, you know that B flat you just hit? It's supposed to be a C. It went. It's a clam, you know. But he wouldn't embarrass you in front of a bunch of people. He would improve you, and he did that like Earl did that ten thousand times. Yeah. And, Same way. And it touched so many people along the way. We never know what little humble thing is gonna do. Just catapult into something really good. So maybe this little conversation we're having tonight about Memphis being a abject failure at capitalizing on its own art and musicians. Too many people trying to be too greedy about it is what I, the way I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all remember the Saturday night show on Channel 7, the Handys Theater show? Yeah. Come on TV. Wow, man. That's, uh, I think it was Stag Beer sponsored doing yeah. that time. Yeah. And uh, you got everybody. They started off at the Handy Theater. <laughs> yeah, with the Blues playing. They showed talent during that time. Yes. Mm -hmm. What happened? You know what happened to it? Politics again mm -hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Some of the rich people that had the money didn't want to see all them black folks on television that time of night. See, I hate to say it like that, but, but that's the truth. Right. George, it's the George truth. Klein but told right me now, we need to have something like that. As many big places we got here in Memphis, yeah. we should have a TV station going on in Memphis, Tennessee, every doggone week. Yep, yep. What were you going to say about George Klein? Do you you were going to say something about George Klein? Oh yeah. Well, George told me uh, that he went to Fats Domino and pretty much begged him to please come on his television show. Uh -huh. And he was going to be like maybe one of the first black entertainers on local Memphis TV. And he was a little bit, you know, wary of doing it, I think. And George, being George and being yeah. really bright and very persuasive and very um, history-minded, yeah. George made it happen. Mm -hmm. I think he maybe bought him a bottle on the way. I certainly would have probably needed one had I been in put in that same circumstance. Sure, sure. But he killed it. Of course he and did. It was great. And mm -hmm. so that paved the way. Again, like Emerson Abel, like Earl Forrest, like all these people that give of themselves so that other people can go forth. You can always be selfish. Mm -hmm. But if you can share the limelight, as I like to say sometimes, you can be a band musician. And I'd rather be a band musician. I don't want to play solos. If I did, I'd have been doing it a long time ago. Sure. I'm a band musician. I've been a band musician mm -hmm. for 50 years. So hope to die being a band musician. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've lost. That's what breaks my heart. What he was saying about if you wanted to go see the music scene, if you wanted to be part of it, you could go down to his gig, you could go to this gig, you could go to this club, you could go to Mr. Curry's Tropicana, you could go to these places and there was a music scene. Now there's not a proper music scene because we've been a failure. At, we want to sell what everybody else is selling. 
instead of our own unique, beautiful, indigenous music and art. Why not, why not get some of these great uh, artists that we've got, sculptors, and see if we can't get some sculpture of some of these famous musicians instead of a bunch of politicians or whoever else down on the river walk? And make it a little Thank walking right. walking river tour. And now, okay, here's Isaac Hayes, here's Staxon. You could actually learn something and exercise and see the river and all that. We don't do that. No. Why not? We build a... I'm not going to curse, Lord, it's Sunday. We build a... We, we build Sunday, a 50, a 50, 50 million dollar berm. $50 million delivered late berm at the foot of Beale Street yeah. that, just, that does nothing. Yep, right. it does nothing. Right. Okay, give me a million dollars. You keep the $49 million for your your uh, your paychecks for the RDC for 10 years or whatever else it has to fund mm -hmm. from off of the public uh, coffers. We'll put it that way. Sure. Give me $1 million of that and I will hire musicians with it, mm -hmm. and you will actually have commerce dovetail with art. <laughs> hey, what if we got people that did other types of art, or we took guys that were incredibly influential, like Bobby Rush, Dr. Bobby Rush now, thank mm -hmm. you, Yeah. Um, yeah and expose some people to, this stuff is not, it's going away, it's going away, if you care anything about it, you better glom on to it and hug it real good because mm -hmm. Memphis is the kind of town that will sit back and let $35,000 worth of stacks get uptaken by a UP mm -hmm. bank right. and all go straight to hell and then yeah. many years later spend $2 million to recreate the same thing. And do the same thing. I suggest we pay attention to the art first instead of the buildings and all this other stuff and have a little foresight. Man, I mean, what else do we have that is as beautiful other than our food, maybe, than our music? What That's else right. is more That's saleable right. than that? And that is the culture. And culture is history. It is That's right. it. You gotta preserve that. Well, I got you something real nice that. and nice for y'all, though, here in Memphis. <laughs> ready for this? Like yes. You ready to be happy? Hit me. For a change, somebody decide to do something about it. Ghost River. River. River Brewery. Yeah, man. Bill and Full. Yeah, man. Yeah. They got the blues, the real blues. I'm not talking about little any of that blue. You got quality full musicians down there. I went live the other night on it. Three nights a week, they open five nights a week with different musicians coming in too. Cool. And on Main and Crump, they have it every Saturday from two to five. Blues from five to to 10, cool. the 5 o'clock shadows, I think they are. They play a lot of Stax music. Main nice. and Crump. Like yes, down from MPL, where it used to be? Main and you, you know where Pigeon Thomas used to yes, be? Yes, sir. We're right there on that very corner okay. of Main and Crump. Yes. That's Ghost River Brewery. Okay. The tap room. Bob, huh? This is the tap room. The tap room? Yeah. Well, Bob has it going good. Okay. I love it. And he has good musicians coming in. Well, then we should be down really? there, Thomas Clay. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to go with you if you go. Well, I tell you what. We should be down uh, there. They, uh, he, he's, he's not, they're not cheap on nothing. I mean, the what he has is quality. It's what, what I love. Quality. Yes. They have a bourbon line here in Memphis now, which I didn't know Memphis had a bourbon sure place, does. distillery. 
I think it's Big Ben Ripper oh, or something like that. Okay. But the blue note. That's what I hear is the blue note. Is, that, it's, that's oh, the real deal there, apparently. Uh, yeah, but I like the L better than that. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's, it's expensive, but it's so good. I mean, this is Memphis. The way I like, I would love to see Memphis come back. Yeah. You're talking about bringing blues in? Yeah. Hey, oh, right. he's, he's willing to work with me, and he's working with me right now. They cool. got one of the best musicians around now. I don't know if y'all have met uh, Fuzzy or not. Fuzzy. Fuzzy uh, Jeffries? Jeffries. Yeah, sure. yeah. He's, he's he the won our IBC and took... He's the house he's band. He's been down here a few oh, times. Yeah. yeah. The house band. Um, I need to pause here. I've got I've got two songs on, on my list here that are unreleased. Okay. That's that's Earl Richard Hyde and Nighthawk. Richard Hyde, okay, you know, come yeah. on. And <laughs> come, Brad on Brad. come on with it. <laughs> the, the first, Brad. Where the, is Brad? Brad's Brad left. Uh, okay. Uh, last night, the name of the song, not what, not yesterday. Uh, last, <laughs> the name of the tune is the first one I want to play. Last night is a so, song that Earl literally made up. Improvisationally, extemporaneously. Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty sure that's the one. That what was the name of the other one? I can't remember. What we it was been uh, some some goodness. Oh, maybe that's the one. Well, you'll know it when you hear it because it's real cool and it's kind of spiritual. It's a good Sunday night. Well, we're going to play Sunday both of them. So so Sunday yeah, we'll come back and we'll wrap things up with you fellas Hallelujah. and turn you loose on a Sunday night. Like a child, so fine. My 
thought a girl was so fine and I was dreaming all the time. Sometimes we all have But we must look back and check whether our problems come from. We like to place the blame on somebody else. When the real problems with ourselves. Nothing like hoping life carries on so that you can be worth a thing to others. Listen to me while I tell you, and don't you do anything but take it further. Cause it's real, just as real as can be. Everybody can't be right all the time. Even the best of us is bound to be wrong. But all you got to do is get a hold to yourself and do the best you can. tell you something. Never close your ears to another's voice. Don't look at it as just some noise. Because no one in this whole world can do anything worth doing by themselves. I want you to know and I want you to listen closely not just walk over and talk about the hell with that show you see love is a thing it's got to be a part of you did you hear me You see, love have got to be a part of you. What I got in my mind, I'm going to try to get it close. I mean a close to you. Some goodness 
somewhere in this song. Listen to what I have to say. Either accept it or go on your merry way. That's nice right there. Earl Forrest, Richard Heights, Robert Nighthawk Toombs, Brad Webb. Man, that's uh that's some that's some sweet stuff right there. And that was all improv, right? Yes. That last tune? Yeah, some goodness. No one has ever heard that, right? That's that's never been played. When was that when was that when was that session? Ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine, yeah. Wow. At Brad Webb's in his backyard, and thanks to Brad, we captured all that on a two-inch tape. And uh, it's Richard Height, who's with Canned Heat, yeah. playing bass on there. Richard was in my band, the Wampus Cats, and that's a uh, two of those four songs ended up on a Wampus Cats record that I put out called Spectator Shoes. Yeah. And then um, the other two we just never released, and I thought we'd actually keep them and give them to Cam to put in his museum because. Yeah. It seemed like the right thing to do. It, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cam, I, I'm I, I'm a Midtown resident, and I've driven by your place a million times. Oh, wow. And I've and I've what is and I'm always like on to doing something. Right. And just, it's like just, now I need now I need now that I've met you. Yes. I need to make a make a point to stop in and say hello. And I understand this place. No, it's a, it's a museum and a, it's a, it, it's a and it's, it's a, a, a rental space it's too. A rental space and it's a it's a museum house Mackenzie museum. It's a museum. In fact, uh, we have. Uh, a few artifacts of uh, Robert Nighthawk tomb. We got his organ. We are uh, part of it. it. <laughs> uh, he donated to Torch Museum. <laughs> I have, we have his leopard print jacket. His uh, his wingtip uh, black and white shoes that he donated to the museum. Yeah. Uh, harmonica. Uh, thank you, uh, Nighthawk, for doing oh, that. Man, we have you. a nice exhibit. Uh, Nighthawk day. exhibit. And uh, also, we have exhibit um, exhibit D of Earl Forrest, uh, the storyline of Earl Forrest and my mother. Oh, my that's mother wonderful. was a gospel singer. Yeah. And we also, I, I produced the annual Stone Awards each year. and. Miss Self had just realized that the whole time <laughs> she was in this room didn't have no idea it was her. So um, um, I produced the annual Stone Awards. This year is right. the 26th annual Stone Awards. And and Robin and I, uh, we uh, we are uh, reunited and, uh, by the help of definite. Thank you, Ma, for allowing, right to making that union, reunion um uh, Connect yeah, again. Marcus with, told me so much Nighthawk about this around. place, and I, I need to stop by. It's it's on Madison. It's on yeah twelve twelve eighty nine Madison Avenue in Claybrook on the corner, right on the corner of Claybrook. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yes, there it is. Yes, yes. And yes. are you are you open almost every day or? Yeah, well, um, now since it's when COVID, COVID. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, there's <laughs> that. Yes. Yeah. Five days a week, five six days a week from twelve to six p.m. But now, right now, we're we're in the season of producing uh, the Stone Awards this year. That I produced this is the twenty sixth annual Stone Awards. Actually, the award show has a category uh, in honor of Earl Forrest, the Earl Forrest Stone Awards Hall of Fame. Oh, that's uh, wonderful! Yes, yes. And, and Robert Nighthawk was the very first recipient of the award in twenty. That was 2015. Yeah. And and yes, and uh, speaking of uh, of of Sunbeam Mitchell, Sunbeam Mitchell, we honored um, honored him with the 
Earl Farmer's Hall of Fame Award last year, 2020. Oh, that's great. In the back pocket, a lot of House of Intense because of the pandemic. And yeah, his his son, uh, Vincent Taylor, uh, received it on the, on the behalf of his father, Sunbeam. Yeah, so. Well, if you need any help with any of this, you let me know. Yes. You, you've got you got you got Radio Memphis behind you on. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's that's what's up, dude. I tell you what, yeah. this year this year the Stone Awards is. Thank you, Miles. Again, this year the Stone Awards is October the ninth. Uh, we actually will be uh, honoring uh, Anne Hans with the Earl Farber Hall of Fame Award this year. Yeah. So if you want to know about the most unheralded, beautiful people in our community. Go to his award show one time because a lot of the people that you don't know about and I might not know about that are out there doing remarkable things sure. and things for the community and for other people finally get recognized right. and get a right. reason to keep on doing things for the community mm -hmm. because of my friend Supercam. <laughs> Supercam it is, yes. No, Thank I mean, you, Robert. I'm dead serious. He is, he is a superhero to me because he not only has memorialized my friend Earl Forrest uh, all of our Memphis music legends and so much more of our culture, but he also remembers everybody every single year, man. And it's a very beautiful thing that he is doing here, and uh, he needs he needs to be appreciated for doing that, man. Uh, sure. Nobody else you. is Thank doing it. And that's you, wonderful. No, that, and, and that's I'm, I'm with I'm with Nighthawk on this. It's nice to hear. People wanting to step up and do something. Yes. And it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't, that, take, much, it right. doesn't take much at all. Right. You know, it just, you know. Mustard seed. My name, mustard, mustard seed. seed. That's, that's all that's, it is. That's the name of the production company. My name, mustard seed. That's my mother and the nine siblings. I named it after my family. My name, mustard seed production that's company. Right. Oh, that's awesome. It's because of my mom. Um, um, yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. Right. Here, hop down this mic, Mark. Okay. This is a shout out to Tracy. Okay. Um, I don't remember when I met Cam, but um, I was interviewing Ruby Wilson uh -huh. for the Blue Society. And it was at the convention center. It was Bobby Rush. Uh, forgive me the year. Let's go. That was 2015. <laughs> I, I, I think anyway, that was 2015, right? 2015. It, anyway, Cam was there. And I saw Miss Ruby, which was wonderful. I was starting an interview with her and Tracy, and seeing Bobby was phenomenal that night. Yeah. But Cam had his had his booth out in front, his table, and that's how I that's how I met Cam. And yeah. so thank you so much, Tracy. That was thank so you, cool. Tracy. That was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's all this came together. So thank yeah. you so much, Tracy. Oh, thank, you, Tracy. thank you, Tracy. That was really cool. Fantastic. That was really cool. Yeah, Fantastic. that was really cool. Isn't it funny how little connections like this turn right. into really big right. things? You know, that's, that's in the cool. whole town. Yeah. She's in yeah. this room. They didn't even really notice. Cool. Tra Tra Tracy's awesome. Tracy's awesome in her own right. I didn't know it was Tracy. Everybody's hiding behind some cloth in here. Miss Tracy is awesome in her own right. She she is the the. Uh, behind the scenes everything for yes. Mr. Bobby Rush and yes. has been for a, quite some time and he has been recognized so much this year I'm so proud of him and so proud of her too we used to swap sets with Bobby Rush's band back at the Club Paradise way back in the 80s and play all night long and I wouldn't give anything for those nights either but uh, it, it, it made me really really happy to see uh Rhodes College, give Mr. Rush a PhD. That was yes. tremendous. Honorary. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> it's always good to be around 
good music people with great vibes. Ricky, bring it all together. I, I do what I can. <laughs> I just do what I can. But we thank you. We thank no, you. No, no. I'm, I'm, thank you guys for coming in tonight. And I have, I actually, have, through Mark hooked me up with this, I actually have a little bit of a surprise to wrap it up with involving you, Mr. Clay. Mm-hmm. And it involves a, t- a song from Mr. Joe Tex. Oh my God! Joe Tex. Yeah, yeah, you know what it is. Skinny legs and all. Skinny legs. How did this happen? Push that. Can't push that mic over there. How how did that happen? Well, all I understand is he had a live performance he had going on. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people reacted to it in one of the nightclubs he was on during that time. Yeah. So he decided to record that afterwards. And that's what it brought up. It, and this happened. about these, these big women with the big butts and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, said, was anybody out there got one this woman's skinny legs? So that's where it started. You yeah. know, so. And there it was. That, that was a live performance starting off. Yeah, it's it? a live record. Yeah. It's uh it's off of off of the I think it was released as a forty five. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and you were on it. And I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. play it here in just a moment. Mr. Toombs, thank you so very much. Oh, it's always a pleasure to you, see you, brother. my friend. Thank you, brother. We need to get you and the Wampus Cats down here soon enough. Once yeah. once we get all this pandemic business behind us, we'll we can do. come down let's, here. And, let's start the Blues Preservation Hall in Memphis, Tennessee. Somebody give us a place and let's do that. Yeah, we can. Hell, we've got, got space right in there. We can set it right, right up in here. there. Well, Marx has a friend that talked to me the other night down at the uh, brewery. And yeah. he told us that we can get, get anytime you want somebody to come practice. He said just... Let me know. You call me and let me know, and I will bring them on down. You can bring them on down anytime. That sounds like Sunbeam yeah, Mitchell type stuff there. there. That's oh, all. Yes. Right, right on. Well, he told me he was a friend of yours, you know, so. Yeah, he is. I'm just happy to reach mm-hmm. out to you. That's great. I really appreciate that, what too. Yeah. You know, I, we could have a whole evening down here with you down here. Just We could we can talk all night long. This guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I appreciate you coming you down. Get me out of element. See, I'm a I'm a jazz person, but yeah, no, good oh, too, man. you got to play blues <laughs> before you play jazz. You this sh- play this show is rather flexible. I mean, we can do a lot of things over here. He's not cool enough to be a jazzer, but the jazz cats are always way ahead of the pack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sit right next can't, to me, can't get no gig Clark. unless you get you out of town. Well, I don't know, man. Uh, we got, can we can set up a jam down here one he, night. That'll be I w- fun. I would love to hear you and with my buddy Groove Holmes when he was living. I wish I could do so that too. But that. I, I, man, are you familiar with Joe Dukes? I heard he, all. He's yeah. in Orange Mountain War too. Yeah, one of the best trump players you ever played any place. Drummers. Well, I think we need to go. down to Bill's Twilight. No, they're dead. Now you know. I'm, I know, but you and me are still here. We might have to go down to Ghost River and make yeah, a little racket. Yeah, I can still play in B flat. I play in B flat for you. That's all right, man. Keep that blues flowing, right? We are going to have to have you join the Bobby Rush class since you're, you know. Yeah, that's a dead to be a good idea, yeah. We're going to have to have you over there in his class. Well, I'm not a doctor like him, but I, if he would put up with me, I'd be thrilled. Hey. Last time I saw him, we were in uh, Wyoming eating vegetarian chili uh-uh. uh, at a, a, a big blues festival they have up there. And uh, he entertained me the entire lunchtime. I love Bobby Rush. He's a, a true showman. Oh, Paul Forrest yeah. was a true showman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He could do anything. anything. Man, let me tell you something real quick. One time, I, I was showing out for Earl. I was playing, I think we were, I can't remember, it had a big high stage. And I was young and tough. I jumped off the last song. I jumped oh, off God. the stage. That wasn't the last song. 
Earl got up and jumped right behind me. <laughs> he had had a triple bypass surgery. He didn't oh, give wow. a damn. He didn't give a damn. He, wow. he he jumped right off the stage. Man, I'm telling you, I never could be more proud of anybody than Earl Farr. Hey. Thank you for letting us do this for Earl, man. It's beautiful. Yes, uh, listen, anytime you guys want to come in and do some stuff, I mean, this this is what this station is about. It's you know, it's keeping those flames lit and and you know, making sure people that don't know about it get an education in the process and that's that's really the important thing because there's people listening tonight from all over the world that probably don't know anything about Earl Forrest now they do now you know, and that's and that's Nelson Lindbergh Nelson or anybody Lindbergh Nelson I've heard the name Lindbergh Lindbergh was uh, one of the piano players in Memphis Tennessee yeah his brother was one of the uh, Nelsons on the radio station Clarence yeah. Nelson Huh? Clarence Nelson, the guitar player? No, no, he's a pianist. Oh, Henry Nelson, the the, the, the Henry Nelson was on, he was on the radio, yeah. Radio guy. Radio. That the guy? That, okay, that's his okay. brother. All right. Uh, he's he's in a nursing home now, but that's oh, what. Okay. He's still alert. Matter of fact, he was in our thing with me and Willie Mitchell, and all of us together. Cool. But he's still around. People give the prayers for him. They still play. That's wow. wonderful. He's in Sunday school. That's awesome. Nimberg Nelson is his name, and he's one of the better ones, too, that you can find in the place. I'm going to let uh, Mark have one of the tapes so we can take uh, one of the DVDs that we have and let him take a look at the full thing. It was uh, Willie Mitchell and Floyd Newman, myself, and the the mouth. Uh, well, he's dead and gone. I shouldn't say too bad about Calvin it. Calvin Newman. Calvin took three-fourths of the whole entire show. Willie Mitchell said... I give up, TC. Just go. Nobody but him, Floyd, and MCL left over there. And there's also one of the greats that was left here, old Bo Peak from West Memphis, Arkansas. Bo Peak played with Buddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, and all the greats that you find over there. And he also took Willie Mitchell's plays when he was out of town, and also Floyd's plays when he was out of town in the blues band. Now, Bo Peak, uh, I'll bring some pictures and let y'all see him and all, but. We got to consider we have had some very good musicians Man. in this. Well, the history here, I think, is very, very important. And I think for the young people that are out there that can stand on the shoulders of this, you know, from what you guys have laid down over the years and, and you know, the, the things that are still being built, and it's important for them to not f ever forget mm -hmm. what has happened right. behind them. And right. uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I do. So yeah. I appreciate you, Mr. Clay, coming. Thank, you, thank you so much. Thank thank you. So Cam, thank you. Also, thank you. I'm going to come pay you a visit over there at the House of MTZ there on uh, on Madison. And well, we can whatever I can do for you on the Stone Awards, you let me know. We'll make it happen. We'll yeah, do some stuff. Right on. Thank you. Oh. All right. And so we'll we'll leave it with this. <clears throat> Joe Tex, skinny legs and all. TC on the skins over here. Check it out. Thank you, guys. skinny legs. You know that ain't no way to do. <laughs> you didn't act like that when you had it home behind closed doors. All right. Now you act like you're ashamed of woman. Don't even want nobody to know she's yours. But that's all right. You just walk on, baby. Huh. And no 
Don't you worry about a doggone thing at all. Because there's some man somewhere who'll take you, baby. Skinny legs and all. Keep on walking, baby. Show you what I'm talking about. Listen to this. Now, who'll take the woman with the skinny legs? Stand right there, baby. I'm going to give you away in a minute. Come on, somebody, please take the lady with the skinny legs. Now, y'all know the lady with skinny legs got to have somebody, too, now. Well, somebody, please take the lady with the skinny legs, please. Hey, Joe. Yeah, Bobby. How would you take? Yeah, fool. I don't want no one with no skinny legs. Look here. I thought about giving this woman a cloud, but no. So I know the kind of women cloud like. Go Leroy, take her. Say Leroy. You got That man ain't yours. Just cause he's walking with you with them raggedy clothes. Man just forgot to get his suit out of the cleaners, that's all. All right. All right. Act like that man don't belong to you. Go on over there and kiss him and hold his hand. Huh. Say, you ain't gonna do what? That's all. You just walk on, mister. Don't you worry about a doggone thing at all Because there's some woman somewhere who'll take you, Mr. Raggedy Cole Yes, there is Let's keep on going Hi, this is Reverend Oma from the Broom Closet Metaphysical Shop. A lot of us are making time to deepen our spiritual paths. The Broom Closet has a wide selection of books on spiritual topics and a huge selection of tarot and oracle cards for connecting with spirit and our higher selves. You can choose from our vast selection of gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry to enhance your spiritual journey. Check out our mindful living gifts and home decor to complete your sacred space. Visit us in downtown Memphis or online at thebroomclosetmemphis.com. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so if you have a fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your healthcare provider before going in. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. Dr. Mark Newman Massey. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How y'all doing? Thank y'all for having me. Oh my God, we've missed having you around. Yeah, I appreciate you um, having me. I've been watching a lot of the stuff that's been going on. So, you know, well, good. You've, yeah. been, you've been rocking it, man. We're trying to, you know, during all this craziness with that pandemic and everything closed up and everybody <coughs> hunkering down. You know, we had to we had to keep some kind of light on. Well, and that's a that's a good that's a good thing. Oh yeah, that's a good thing. But um, I've been doing nothing this hanging in the country and like everybody else uh, eating too much and and uh, trying to write some songs and <laughs> staying busy the best you can yeah it's it, it's uh it's uh it's it's been a lot better this year you know even though with all the stuff that's been going on 
Did I did I understand that you for previous episodes go to radio-memphis.com to download episodes to your mobile device, search the show in iTunes, player.fm, stitcher.com, Pocket Cast, or tune in. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. Right, you heard what's coming up next time on the program. Uh, our old friend Mr. Mark Massey. Yes, indeed. It'll be a fine show. And, uh, and, and, and that it is. So there, before I get out of here, I want to remind you all again, uh, please go get your vaccines, do what it takes to stay safe. Uh, this Delta variant ain't screwing around and we're losing people left and right, uh, because of, of what's going on. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a sad scene. So get out there and do that. If you've got kids, if you've got underage kids and yet you are not getting the vaccine, um, that's just, I'll say it. It's irresponsible is what that is. You know, go do what you've got to do. Take care of your family. Take care of yourselves and do not, um, you know, sleep on this because this is this is critical. This is absolutely critical. You you have to get this done. OK, so on that, um, y'all be sweet. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. Look after one another. And uh, for God's sake, stop shooting each other. All right. I'm Rick Cheddar. And this has been from Radio Land. Rick Cheddar from Radioland is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com. <laughs>